thoroughly looking forward to this episode with the wonderful Pietro Tozzi. Pietro has been teaching and training for almost 40 years. You may also know him from many of our very successful training and network sessions here at Pearson. He has mentored over 50 trainee teachers during his career and is the perfect person to have these discussions with. We have around half an hour to cram everything in, so let's get started. So you will probably know that I love to start these episodes with a little icebreaker, um, but you and I, have, you know, we go way back. We met, you know, 12, 13 years ago. So we, you know, known each other for quite some time. So I want to do and take a different angle. I'd like our listeners to know something about you that they probably wouldn't already know. And I remember one of the very first conversations we had was about football and your love of football. And I know you're huge, huge sports fans. So for this episode, special guest, of course, I'd love for you to share with everybody um, your football background, how you got into it, your sporting love, just so our listeners can get an insight into one of your other passions other than maths. Well, thanks very much, Nicola. Yes. And and just before I answer that question, it must be some sort of record. I've got to 58 years of age before doing my first podcast. I've done plenty of videos over the years, but podcasts, no. So uh, <laughs> here we go. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's one of these things. All little boys like to play football and I was no different. But I played for my school and then, uh, then I played for the district a few times. I was never that tall. I was a goalkeeper. But in those days, it didn't seem to make too much difference. Some professional goalkeepers were five foot eight, as I am. But I played over 600 games, university, various clubs. And I suppose my claim to fame, it depends on the age of the listeners, I suppose, is that uh, only a few years ago, uh, we were playing five a side and Mark Viduka turned up, who was a Leeds United legend. And, uh, and he started playing. He was easily the best player. But he wasn't even trying. But I also love cricket. Um, I, I go to Lords to watch lots of games. And I was quite a good sprinter because that goes with the goalkeeping, 100 metres, long jump. And I do boot camp to try and keep fit. Um, so that's my kind of sports background. I think it, it's good for mental health, actually. Absolutely. It gives you a different angle to just, you know, release all of those build-ups of the day or the week absolutely yeah great mm. and I, I don't think many people would have known that about you so I'm, I'd really love that we, we got to share that um, and I'm very honoured to be your first podcast partner so <laughs> this will go down in history I'm sure so as I said um, just just now we've, we've worked together on lots of things about 10 years now mm. um, and I think we you know not only do we share this this common passion for our subject but the, the one thing that I notice we we have in common disagree with me if you if you want to but we we have a passion for supporting others and building up new you know new teachers into the career and and sharing our journey and our passion for that that mass teaching um both of us have been heads of departments um clearly you've mentored far more than than I have but but together we've you know um supported the the NQTs as they were then mm. and training teachers of course the difficulty of of training non-specialists as well as specialist mathematicians so hopefully as we work together on the upcoming series so our, our new series of the um ECT networks which we'll talk about um as we go through this episode hopefully you'll get that that opportunity to have a more of an impact on more people as they're they're going through their 
um, training. So with that in mind, can you tell the listeners all about this new series of events? You know, what topics are we going to be covering or you going to be covering? I'm just the facilitator here. Um, so what what's what's in the new series? What's being covered to help and guide these trainees over the next academic year? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's it, it's exciting. I mean, it, it's one of these things where it took quite a lot in the planning stage. Sometimes these things take a lot longer than you think. You really have to think it through. And it's the order of them, I think, that's as important as each individual one. So they kind of flow. And though they're not all mutually exclusive, they're, one follows onto another. Something can't happen until something else happens. That's life, you know. Um, and so we, we're starting off with, with setting up for September. I mean, this is the biggest, con I remember being very concerned and worried when I started teaching uh, back in the day. And I went to the head of department's house. She lived quite near me and we, we sat down and I, I wrote most of my lesson plans out for the first week. But it was the expectations. And if you, you've got to make a good start. If you don't make a good start, you're climbing a mountain. Mm -hmm. if, if you make a good start, it makes so much other things fall into place. So we're doing that one twice. We're going to do it actually um, in June, and yeah. then we're going to do it again in September for those who missed it, because some might want to prepare because they know their school by then. Mm. And then obviously, I think the biggest concern, certainly even when I moved school, and I'd been teaching quite a number of years and I moved to a different school, is behaviour management. Mm. All your old routines don't work when you move school. That reputation's gone. Yeah. and you have to start again but they're starting for the first time some of them may be teaching in the school where they were a trainee and that's a slight advantage or it could be a disadvantage it depends how well it went um <laughs> yeah true um so we're doing a behavior management one there's a videos there and some ideas and then being observed because obviously there's there's lots of observations uh, not as many as when you're doing a pgce course but still you're formally observed uh, I'm so I'm going to be talking about that and sharing some documents so that the mentor and the person being observed can work as a kind of team. Mm. And I think that's really important. So it's not as um, frightening as it could be. Mm. Uh, and then we're going to look at the assessment objectives um, so we can actually look at what you're teaching. And some of the well, we've used so many different words for the second half of this. It was the new topics originally because some topics had been moved into the reformed GCSE. We're calling them demanding topics. We kind of agonized a bit over that title because some teachers, depends if they've switched subject or if they're new, there's a like, a like possibility that they didn't actually learn those topics, like Venn diagrams, for example, when they were a pupil. And so they're gonna have to kind of relearn it themselves. It's always more difficult teaching something you never learned. There's nothing to fall back on. Mm. Um, then we're going for differentiation because, again, you know, there's range of ability in any class, wherever set. Um, I always say the biggest range of ability in a group is actually your A-level class. Mm. Mm. Unless, I mean, some colleges who've got the luxury of lots and lots of sets can set at A-level, but most secondary schools won't do that. And so you've got the, you know, the full range in one class. And that, that's, yeah. that's not easy. And then we're going to look at some data, obviously, and, and, and how to use that data to inform your teaching and fill gaps intervention. Uh, and then the final one is, um, again, we changed word on that one. It was outstanding teaching and learning ideas, but we changed it to exceptional because the word outstanding seems to be banded about. You see it on banners outside schools. But is the lesson outstanding for the learner, the, the observer or the teacher? 
or you know we, we don't know and so i think exceptional is probably the better title so that's it so we got seven kind of discrete sessions but following some sort of order um and so there we go we, we we're gonna it's, it's kick off not too far away yeah jam-packed jam-packed and like you say they're not exclusive of one another because i think when you mentioned the differentiation mm. topic if you don't get your differentiation right you could end up with all sorts of behavior management problems because Absolutely. children that can't access the work it's too hard or they finish the work too quickly because it's too easy and they get bored and so yeah. that's just a slight example of how they all interlock with each other and also yeah. to allow for that differentiation you need to understand the data behind your class so you can differentiate accordingly so all of those sessions i can't wait for them um that, that it's going to be amazing um so I can think back, you, you shared your experience there on the, you know, going to your head of department's house, um, you know, before you started teaching. And I remember, um, I remember the beginning, um, I, you know, I taught for 12, 13 years in the end, but, and there were so many things that went wrong. I've got so many memories of uh, when things went horribly wrong for me in the classroom, um, which could often lead to poor behaviour. Um, not my poor behaviour, you understand, their, their, <laughs> poor, their poor behaviour. Um, and then, of course, you, you as, as a practitioner, you are taught as part of your, you know, training to be very reflective, um, reflect upon your practice that day, how can you improve, uh, all part of that learning journey. But I had um, a, just the most incredible mentor that was always there for me, at, you know, maybe at a coffee break or at lunchtime at the end of the day, whether that was physically, by email, whichever it was. Um, and it was just a couple of minutes. It was nothing formal, but he always had this way of making me feel that I hadn't failed. It was part of my journey. You know, uh, those little things that happened that went wrong would help build you into becoming the better teacher and helping you develop. Um, Mr. P. Anderson will always be that mentor that I owe everything to he you know I wouldn't have been the teacher that I, I developed into without his input um, and his support and I'm sure that there are so many obviously I, I look to you as that sort of role as well and I'm sure that there are so many people that you've mentored over the years that would say exactly the same thing and I'm sure you've had you know you give your time so freely to to mentees and to other teachers to offer advice to so if you were that mentor, um, what's your advice to anyone listening now today um, when they feel at the end of a lesson, at the end, end of the day, it's gone horribly wrong, horrifically wrong? What would your advice be to them? Yeah, I mean, it's, it happens to it happened to me as an experienced teacher, even being the mentor. You know, you got to hand you hold your hands up. You know, mm. we all have a a bad day or a bad lesson, and sometimes it's out of your control because yeah. something has happened to those students or that class. Sure. So sometimes yeah. you really have to. It could be the time of the day of the lesson. Mm. Is it perhaps mm. the right time to take that to, to teach that topic? Do you remember the BCG injections? <laughs> yes. <laughs> that that was not a lesson that I enjoyed. Even if it's snowing outside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I used to close the blinds. So, yeah, that's the best way to do it. And, and, you know, if it was, you have to do it. Um, I mean, it's a difficult one. I mean, the analogy really I used to use with a lot of my trainees was it's like learning to drive a car. When you first learn to drive a car, you're all fingers and thumbs. 
you make mistakes, you don't know what you're doing, and you think your parents are incredibly clever because they can drive. <laughs> and it's a bit like that, and you, it takes time. And in the end, when you're driving home, you know that person's going to pull out before they do it because of that experience. But you have to gain that experience. I always used to use that analogy, which I think is quite a good one. Um, keep calm and carry on, I suppose, is a bit of a pun, but, you know, <laughs> one of those things. But always ask. I think that's the important thing. And be honest. Don't hide it. And observe the experts. If you're particularly having problems with a student, why don't you watch someone else teaching that student and see what they do that you could do that will minimise that disruption? It could be as simple as where they sit or who they sit next to or how you address them. We don't know. I mean, there's all sorts of things. But if you're watching experts, also don't feel, I used to say, don't feel you're planning things by yourself. A lot of schools have parallel groups and you can plan the lesson with someone who's got the other half. And save time and it will give you ideas. Um, so you're not on your own. That's that's the thing I used to try to send. And, and some people do hide it mm. and that's not healthy because they don't want to admit things have gone wrong. And that doesn't progress them. But you know, it's every single p person I mentored, you had to deal differently. It's about being a football manager. Back to my football analogy. <laughs> Some people needed a, a metaphoric arm around them. You're not allowed to do that these days. But mm -hmm. you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. Some people you actually needed to be a little bit more direct with mm -hmm. to, get, to get the best out of them. Yeah. So you have to suss out people's personalities. I don't think one size fits all, actually, because we're human beings. Yeah. No, that, yeah. that, 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 that's kind of probably sums it up, really. Yeah, that's that's great advice. And I think you're right. It's it's the being open, asking for help, digesting it. I mean, we used to have a departmental staff room. So it's, you know, you had your own team that you work with. So it was it felt better to go in and have a bit of a, uh, a not a rant. I'm not saying an offload. You could go in and offload to your team because they you felt that they understood you and you worked with them more closely. But you probably would feel a little bit more intimidated, I guess, to go into the main staff room and do that. But well, yeah, yeah. It, it's important. And also, like you say, you know, there are so many other people that if you're if you're having those struggles with a particular student because of the behavior they're presenting or the engagement, that kind of thing. I definitely think that's great advice about going and watching them in another uh, in the, in a different environment. It might not be it's never it's not personal they might just have an issue with maths for example and they they've never enjoyed it they don't want to be there they're, they're feeling out of their comfort zone and mm -hmm. they're just presenting these difficult behaviors or disengagement and things uh. so i remember having the same one we've had this conversation before but i remember having a, a student like that and i went and watched him in art because i knew he liked art so I just I emailed the art teacher and said, would you mind if I popped along for 10, explained the situation? And then I engaged with this student. I had a conversation and was, you know, wow, that's a really great piece of work. What is that all about? And it showed that I cared because he came back to the next maths lesson completely different. The dynamic was completely different. He saw me as a, dare I say, another human being rather than the scary maths teacher who we couldn't you know he couldn't relate to and yeah. it just that that taking that time out to go and do that had such an impact on on his progress and his relationship with maths so i think it's right when when all things are going you know things are going wrong in, in all sorts of different ways the pedagogy around a particular topic or the behavior management i think as well on top of what you've just said the important thing 
is to remember why why did you why are you there why did you sign up to be a teacher what is it where's your you know that deep down passion um that that you had in the beginning and i hear that from mentors all the time when they think i've got to look at the bigger picture here and it gives them that energy and that positivity to bounce back so like you say earn that experience to recognize it when it's coming down the track the next time mm. so i remember that you know the reading lists um and training. Um, so in your opinion, are there any resources, particular reading materials that you have or you'd like to recommend that people can, you know, our listeners can dig into over the summer as part of that preparation? I know Sue Cowley, the uh, the behaviour book is still on lots of reading lists um, to help prepare for behaviour management. But what's, as a mentor, Pietro, what's on your list as, as advice? Yeah, I mean, it's funny. I've got two of them. Um, there's some stuff out there now that isn't in a book on YouTube. Yeah. I mean, when I wrote the course, I found loads of, uh, you know, look using search engines, find loads of stuff that's out there. And, yeah. and, and rather than reading it, they tell you and you can see yeah. it. But the two, I'm going to really show my age here because <laughs> there's two, there's two of them. But the first one is The Craft of the Classroom mm-hmm. by Michael Marland. Okay. Now, Michael Marland was very big in um, being a head teacher in a quite a tough London school in the 70s. So I'm going back a long, long way when they'd got rid of grammar schools and it went secondary modern and then comprehensive. And there was all sorts of issues. And there must have been a lot of behavior problems initially with that type of change of, of, of whole ethos. 11 plus went. Um, so I'm going right back. But there was some real good stuff there. Not maths, it's generic. It's an old one. It's still around. I've, I've, I've actually recommended it to a couple of people who, who have asked me for some help. The other one is more modern. It's called the Teacher's Toolkit. You probably know that one, Nicola, yes. with the spiral bound. Yes. Yeah. yeah by, by a guy called Paul Guinness. So as you mentioned at the start of our episode, there's a whole variety of themes um, covered across these seven sessions that you've got mm-hmm. planned. Um, you mentioned the behaviour management, of course, and the data. Uh, differentiation, assessment objectives, all of that stuff. Mm. Do you think, I I think I know what you'll say to this, but do you think that any one of those takes precedence over anything else as a focus in your first year? So is there one of those that you think this is the key for the first year and everything else will fall into place? What do you think? It's, you know what, it's, it's a tricky one because I thought about it and I did plump probably the one you thought of. (laughs) But differentiation came a very close second, Mm. because if that doesn't happen, I I really think it it undermines the other stuff, no matter matter, matter how well you teach the lesson. I can remember someone coming into the maths office once. He was an Australian teacher, great stuff, great guy called Glenn. And he said, you know what? They learnt loads of nothing today. (laughs) (laughs) He taught beautifully, but because he didn't differentiate, some Mm. of them didn't get it. But I think the one I is behavior management because you've got to have that mutual respect you've got to have trust they've got to have trust in you because then you can start the great lessons and the risk taking but that behavior management has to be there first that environment has to be created and they have to be confident in you Mm. and 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 that's i think was that the one you were thinking of it was. <laughs> it was, yeah. But it, can I tell you what? I, 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 and I thought maybe the expectations. 
But I think that you could go in like a flash in the pan and do that and then you drop them. I used to do those expectations at the beginning of every term. Yes. Because I, I, after Christmas, they've been out of it for two weeks and you have to kind of reset them. Yeah, I completely agree. I used to have a little presentation, be it a smart board presentation or a PowerPoint or something. And it would have my, just my clear five things. I expect yeah. you to come in quietly, you know, line up outside, whatever the, you know, the school yeah, yeah. was. But these are the things that I expect in my room. Um, and absolutely, Pietro, because, you know, you yeah. get the heightened fun up to Christmas and things get a little bit laid back. But when you come mm -hmm. back in January, you need to reestablish those expectations. But yeah. I think setting those expectations is part of your behaviour management. Mm -hmm. Because True. without setting down your ground rules, the kids don't know where the grey areas are. And, yeah. and also yeah. by having expectations, there are no grey areas in my classroom anyway I used to say this you know if I say these to you now we all know where we stand so if you deviate from these expectations then there's going to be a sanction or a consequence in place mm. um and I think that the I say children the younger years but obviously you have a different relationship with the your your older students your you know your sixth form students etc um where you can you know if you've known them long enough you can you can flex a little bit and have more mature conversations yeah. but when you're when you've got the the energy and the excitement of 30 year sevens in front of you that you know they're, they're bursting with energy most of them after after coming from from primary school you've got to be really clear um with your expectations and stick to them because think, as soon yeah, as you yeah. kind of flex if you if they see that one of the expectations hasn't been adhered to Mm. You're going you're gonna to unravel all of the work that you've done. So, yeah, it's, I, I it's, think... you know, it's also a case of their expectations of us. I used to often say, you know, if you don't understand the work, that's my fault. I will <laughs> mark your work. I will do my bit. So yeah. I expect you to do your bit. Yeah. You know, that, that, that was the thing. And I think with the lockdowns, mm. I think that I've visited a few schools and done some support. A lot of schools are saying their year eights aren't quite what they should be because they weren't at school in year seven to have their expectations because they were disrupted so they never really had a year seven yeah yeah exactly and more so more mm. so we, we've looked a lot at, at that um you know ideology behind um how students are presenting at the moment and, mm. and just giving feedback from from staff but that knock-on effect is the same you know we hear it from a-level students that the the a-level students that have, have started over the past couple of years don't have that that rigor because they no. didn't have to revise they didn't have to do all of that legwork at the end because it was a process you know through the the teacher assess grades of yeah, ongoing yeah. assessment um, so it's it's not it's not isolated, is it? In one particular. No, it's a good point. I mean, in a, in a way, the recovery from the pandemic may be eleven years away if you go right back to primary school. In a sense. Yeah, absolutely. Every year group missed. Every year groups missed topics. Absolutely. Yeah, there's definitely going to be that huge recovery program, and I know that, you know, there's all sorts of schools of of thought on there. As mm. if these trainee teachers don't have enough to worry about. <laughs> all, of, yeah, all of this to worry about as well. I knew, oh my gosh, we could talk forever. I knew that we were going to be jam-packed today. Um, and I just, I'm conscious that we're, we're coming towards the end. Sure. But 
before we wrap up today, I think it's important to ask your advice. It's a lot of it. It's like ask Pietro. I think you need a, a regular podcast here, Pietro. Uh -huh. Ask Pietro what your advice would be on the outside of the classroom. I've got a best friend. She's in her ECT year. She's gone from industry and she's gone into teaching. So I've got, you know, almost first hand experience of her daily rundown as to what's going on. And I try and advise her what she should be doing in her evenings, weekends, etc. And it's all about that work life balance. And you mentioned, you, you know, the, the 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 mental impact it can have on on your well-being. Mm. Um, and I know Bobby Seagull and I in one of our other podcast episodes last September, we talked about getting off to a good start um, but what's your advice to mentees, to trainees, to get that balance right with the marking, the planning, everything else? What 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 would you advise? Yeah, I mean, I think it is. It's like I always think it's like spinning plates when they used to spin <laughs> plates and try and keep them up on Blue yeah. Beater or one of these shows, you know, <laughs> trying to keep them all going. But I mean, it links really to the answer about the football, as you kind of you know hinted in in your in your question. You know, any hobby to reset the mind and body, I, I think is important. But the extracurricular, I think, can help because you're kidding two birds with one sense. It's a bit like you saying you went to see them do the art lesson. Mm. I used to do schools football because I used to referee for the Ealing schools. And and then those students, they know you're giving up a Saturday morning to referee that match. They probably won't give you quite as much grief when you ask them to do their algebra. You know, <laughs> that's true, though, because they see a different side of you when you're refereeing and they know you're giving up that time. So, you know, that 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 can help. But as I say, it is the work-life balance. I think you have to sometimes just draw the line and say enough's enough. I mean, you can over-plan a lesson and then when you actually deliver it, you're exhausted. Yeah. Yeah. You can yes. overcook it, overcook it. Oh, yeah. That's a great, great phrase, isn't it? Overcooking it. I, I used to hear that a lot. Don't, don't overcook it. Keep it simple. Um, and you're right. And, and I'd forgotten. I used to um, help coach the tennis teams mm. when I was at, at school teaching because like you say it well it gave me free tennis <laughs> I didn't have to to yeah. pay to go to the tennis courts after school I could just use them at school which helped me and and release that energy from the day but also I built relationships with students I didn't teach and, yeah. and they saw me as you know not the maths teacher I was a different person and and so your relationships would be slightly different um but I think that's that's a great idea but I, I like that you said you know sometimes you just have to draw the line and actually be be strict with yourself and say maybe I'll do an hour of marking I'll stay at school for an hour get some marking done and then when I go home it's my time and I used to have um a, a timetable you know, marking on a Monday, I'd do some planning on this day and my PPA and using yeah. the PPA time, I think, is really important. Um, also, go, going in early, is, it, I used to, uh, towards the end of my career, I used to come in very early. You could get on the photocopier, you could do yeah. your preparation, not much traffic. Yeah, and then sure. you have your evenings a bit more with your partner. I yeah. think what we're getting to here, Pietro, is being organised. And Well, yes. Being, you know, prioritising your time and, and booking your time wisely um, and, and sticking to that. Um, so finally, Pietro, let's 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 see if we can dig out some memories. Is there a memory for you that sticks out that makes you let's leave these listeners with, a, you know, why they're doing it and why this job is so incredibly brilliant, why it felt so good to be teaching 
maths. So it's so easy, like we've said, it's a treadmill. You hit the ground running every day, lessons, break duty, clubs, detentions, all of this stuff. And it's easy to lose those nuggets, those golden moments. But I've got a whole little cluster of memories where I think, oh, my God, that is why I did that. That's why I love my job so much. And yeah. they are going to happen to our listeners. They they will happen. But I want to know if you've got a favourite memory, that, that golden nugget that sticks out in your mind as to why you thought the teaching maths was the best job in the world. Um, yes, yeah, so I've got two, really. Um, occasionally, I used to be called Dad. <laughs> I'm sure you were called mum a few times. Yes. <laughs> so they obviously got good trust in you. Um, I discovered Pi with a class in the school hall using a thing called Count Buffon's experiment, where um, we threw straws up and counted them, and, and it was so practical. And kids often used to see me and talk about that lesson. You know, a couple of years later, and I bump into them in the pub 10 years later. <laughs> so it must have made it. So sometimes the quirky lessons make an impact because they're a little bit different. Mm. Uh, you know, that's one. And I'm going to leave you with a very, very funny one, actually. There was a, a, a lad who came in brand new to the school midterm. So he was put into set whatever because by default they put them into a certain set and then they had to test them. And his English was very much his second language. In fact, he had very little English at all. He had a little dictionary with him and his name was Petros. I think it was he was it sounds Greek, but I think actually he was from um, he was Iranian and he came in and I was very uh, this was quite a difficult class. And it was really relatively early in the year. But, you know, October, I can't remember exactly when it was about 15 years ago. And he came in and I said, oh, what's your name? And he said, Petros. And I said, you say, sir, when you address me, I ask you again, what's your name? And he goes, Sir Petros. And the whole class started laughing. And do you know what? He was called Sir Petros for the rest of his school career with me. And we got on like a house on fire. But I never forget that. <laughs> and sometimes you have to have a sense of humour to defuse yeah. a situation. Absolutely. I think that's brilliant. I've not heard I've not heard that before. That's such that's such a brilliant, brilliant story. I think I'm gonna remember Sir Petros now forever. Pietro. I cannot thank you enough. I've had an absolute blast. No uh, worries. No worries. Thank you enough for spending your time talking That's about okay. this topic obviously is very close to our hearts and we're very passionate and we want sure. you know we've had a great career. I mean I'm sure you're thinking of wrapping up in the next few years. I've got some years to go but I've had a I've had a, an absolute blast in the in the classroom and yeah. I know that you have as well and I'm so passionate at at just sharing those experiences with with people just starting out and sure just saying look yeah there are going to be tough times and yes it is challenging and it can be challenging but boy oh the rewards are incredible and let's hope our listeners um will share the details of the upcoming ect course with their mentors or their school and their line managers um and then we can virtually see them in our in our next sessions and of course once this podcast is out and live and people are listening the the link to sign up to these these um sessions will be will be available as well um so everyone that's listening um get yourself on the course you can hear more from Pietro um, but for now from Pietro and myself please do take very very good care of yourselves and thank you very much as well thank you <laughs>